we're still over there talking uh, in Isaiah chapter 11, um, and we're going to take a look, obviously, in verse 2, where it's talking about the spirit of wisdom. We left off last week talking about wisdom, talking about, um, uh, you know, obviously its origin, where it comes from, uh, why it's important to understand that. You know, when it comes to wisdom and it comes to understanding, both of those, we need to, we, we really have to get the concept that those are of God. If we, we don't understand that, then we're going to have, um, a difficult time, uh, understanding what it is that, uh, the Lord, uh, has given to, um, uh, to Christ here when he came and what we can receive from the Lord, um, as well and why it's, uh, it's important. So last week we kind of were talking a little bit uh, about some of the, the value of it, uh, why wisdom is considered important, uh, and we're going to talk about the application and uh, obviously look at some key passages that talk about it was uh, given to Christ. Obviously we have this verse in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 that says that's the case, but we're going to take a look at a couple other verses. But let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. We will get started this evening. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time. Thank you again, Lord, for an opportunity uh, to uh, be here tonight, to study, to learn of you. I pray, Lord, that we would just have uh, uh, ears that uh, desire to hear you, uh, that, Lord, we would receive the knowledge, that we would have an understanding of it, that, Lord, that application that is wisdom would be um, something that we seek and desire to have in our life. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be with me and speak through me tonight, that all of this would be pleasing, honoring, and glorifying unto you. And this I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's go ahead and, uh, you know, obviously uh, I'm going to just read that verse in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, is just kind of, again, that launching point where it says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, and the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Now, again, that's one of the key things that when we look at is important about wisdom. Uh, you know, the Bible talks a lot about how to hear matters, uh, a lot about exercising judgment. Um, you know, our eyes are very, 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 very deceiving. Uh, probably one of the worst uh, types of uh, situations you want to be in is a situation where uh, uh, you're relying on eyewitness accounts. Because if you've ever seen the studies that have been done with eyewitness accounts, you will realize very quickly everybody has a different perception. Everybody sees something differently. You know, one person sees the individual as, you know, uh, a Hispanic person. Another person sees him as uh, a white guy. Another guy, you know, sees him as, you know, of Arabic descent. And then one guy's saying, oh, no, he's Chinese. And then you're sitting there going, well, what is he? You know, and, and you're like, can you even confirm that he's a man at this point? Because somebody's over here saying that it was a woman. And then you're like, I don't even know. And the height ranges from three feet tall to seven feet tall. And you're just like, I, you, you, you can't figure it out. You, and, and you realize that that's why if you ever walk out of the doors of a fast food restaurant, did you ever notice they've got those little graduated uh, scale off to the side? That has like where six foot is, seven foot, five foot, and all that. That's so when they get robbed and the guy goes out the door, the camera can at least get an accurate description or an accurate height of who the guy, you know, what, what the the individual that robbed the place. And it's like that's sad. It's sad that we have to do that, but our eyes are deceive deceive us frequently. Our eyes uh, uh, will 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 really play havoc on on what we uh, perceive. And even our hearing too. Have you ever had a situation where 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 somebody says something and you heard it completely different? Uh, it, sometimes it's hilarious. Sometimes it's absolutely funny. Other times you're just like, wait a second, what did you just say? And, and you're trying to 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 understand and you're trying to get them to repeat it. And 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 again, our we can be very much deceived by those things. So what we have to be able to do is is we have to be able to really make good judgment calls based off of scripture. 
and, and really discern, really, really have that ability to, to, to use judgment in a righteous manner. And this is why wisdom is important. This is why Jesus Christ was given that here on earth. You know, as a man in the flesh, that was something that he needed to exercise and needed to use so that he could demonstrate to individuals the importance of wisdom, the importance of understanding. So as we, we take a look here, let's go over to Job chapter 28, Job chapter 28, and verse 18. Job chapter 28 and verse 18. And, uh, here it is, um, uh, Job speaking in, in verse 18. Um, it says, no mention shall be made of coral or of pearls for the price of wisdom is above rubies. Now you think about this and as he goes down a little bit further, he says the topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it. Neither shall it be valued with pure gold. In, 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 again, in, in verse, uh, 20, uh, excuse me, 20, he says, whence cometh a wisdom and where is the place of understanding? Now, all of this, you know, we, we, we look at it and he's saying it is extremely valuable. It, it, the, the value of it cannot be quantified. Could you imagine that, you know, there you are in your backyard and you decide, you well, hey, I'm going to, I need to go do something. Uh, we've got a situation at our house where the wind has blown down the, the fence. Uh, we had that windstorm come through and we lost our entire back fence with our neighbor We've been talking about how we're going to do it. We've got to go out and replace like, I don't know, six, six fence posts or something like that. Put the fence back up and do stuff. But, uh, could you imagine if, uh, me and my neighbor were out there and we're out there, you know, trying to dig out those concrete things and pull that out. And uh, as soon as we pull that out, uh, you know, he looks down in there and he says, what is that? I look down in there. I don't, I don't know what that is. He reaches down, pulls it out, and he pulls out a diamond the size of like a, a giant softball. And he's like, well, what is this? I'm like, I don't know. We clean it off. We take it to a gemologist, and the gemologist says, that, 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 that's, that's a big diamond. That thing's worth millions of dollars. And I'd be like, whoa, that's cool. You know, <clears throat> um, you know that would be something that would be pretty amazing. Um, and, but, uh, if you were to find something like that, you'd be like, that, that, that's valuable. Or, or let's say you're just, uh, you know, digging through your backyard and you're deciding you're going to want to plant a, a row of, uh, of carrots or green beans or something that I can't eat. And you're, you're going out there and you're planting that row. And as you're digging in there, you, you dig and you hit something solid and you, you pull it up and you, you pull it out of there and you open it up and it's all of this, Old, like 1800s, you know, uh, Spanish gold that somebody had hid. And you, guys, you have no idea who it belongs to or anything of that nature. You go, you take it, have it valued, and, and it's worth billions of dollars. And you're sitting there going, that's valuable. And here, here is what Job's saying. He's saying, you know, when it comes to wisdom and understanding, you can't put a price on it. Go over to Proverbs, what Solomon says about it. Um, he, he quotes his father in Proverbs chapter 4. actually quotes what David tells him. And Proverbs chapter 4 is where David is telling Solomon what he needs to do. So if you ever wanted to know why Solomon asked for wisdom, it's because of Proverbs chapter 4. Because before David died, this is what Solomon told, or excuse me, this is what David told Solomon, where he would receive the instruction of his father. And uh, he, he in verse 4, it says, he taught me. Uh, but as you go down here a little bit further, specifically into verse 7, he says, this is what, this is what he taught. He said, uh, excuse me, in verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee, and she shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. I mean, you, you go down here a little bit further through the passage, he keeps talking about how it's important. But what we find is, is David saying, you know, if you're going to get anything in life, Solomon, don't go seeking power. 
Don't go seeking the preeminence. Don't go seeking, you know, some sort of position. I'm not trying to alliterate here, okay? Uh, Don't go out there seeking some sort of reward. Don't seek financial success. Don't seek to be the healthiest person on the face of the earth. Don't go out and seek to be a religious guru or whatever. What does he say? He says, what you need to do and what you need to devote your life to is getting wisdom. That's what David told Solomon. Go over to chapter 8. Chapter 8, this is actually wisdom, if you will, in a personification, uh, speaking. And it says here that uh, um, in verse uh, verse 10, receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. Uh, you know, so, uh, wisdom is saying specifically that the instruction that she gives is is more precious and more valuable than silver and gold. In verse 11, it says, for wisdom is better than rubies and all things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. You know, if you were to sit back and and just think about this for a minute and say to yourself, what is the one thing that I would want in this world? What is the one thing that you would want in this world? At one point in time with, uh, you know, my myriad of health issues and things that were going on, this was several years ago, I just, you know, I just kind of asked the Lord, I said, can I have one day where I do not feel pain? Just one day where I do not feel pain. That, 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 that's, that's, I just would like one day. One day. And, you know, I, I, he has granted it. I will say, he has granted it. And I'm very thankful for it. There are days that I remember, and I just remember going to bed going, I didn't think about it. If I had pain, I didn't know it. So, praise the Lord for it. You know, there's stuff that's desired in this life. But you think about some people, and, and, and again, if you were to, if you were to ask this, say at high school, right now, Think about the answers that would get that you would get. At a secular high school, you, we, we kind of expect the answers would be quite carnal. But go ask it at a Christian high school. Go ask it in a, you know, a, 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 if you will, a youth group. Go, go ask it in a, um, a a Christian college. Go ask it in a Bible college. Your answers are going to be pretty surprising. And, and I would be surprised if, 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 if you got maybe one person to say, you know what the one thing that I desire most in this life is wisdom. Wisdom is saying it right here. Anything that you could ever possibly desire in your life, wisdom is going to be better than it. Wisdom is going to be better than it. Now, for a carnal mind, that that, that doesn't compute. It doesn't compute. Because we, we then have to begin looking at this very differently, and we have to look at it from a spiritual perspective. Which is why it is called the spirit of understand or wisdom. It's spiritual. It's not a physical thing. You know, as I said before, just because somebody gets old doesn't mean that they get wise. Just because somebody has experience does not mean that they are wise in what they do. You know, we've all heard stories of how people have done things for so long and they just do them and everybody thinks that they're so wise about doing it. And, and, and the end result that they do it is they have no idea. It's just what they were taught. And then come to find out that they were, why they were doing it, they were doing it the wrong way. Yeah, it may have accomplished a result, but was it the right result? I mean, remember, it was wise, it was wise and the right thing to do to take the ark to Shiloh, but David didn't do it the way of wisdom. 
according to the will of God and according to the word of God. He did it on his own and it resulted in a dead body. And it resulted in David getting angry with God. Like, dude, it is your fault. But that's usually what happens. All of a sudden, something bad happens when we were trying to do what was right, quote-unquote, and the end result is, is we're like, God, why did you let that happen? And then God says, why did you do it that way? <laughs> well, I, I, th- I, I thought that was right. And then you begin questioning yourself. And God's like, where did you think that was the right way to do it? Out of everything that you've ever heard, everything that you've ever read from the Bible, why, why did you think that was the way to go about doing what you did? Obviously, the conversation changes very quickly. Obviously, you know, David didn't stay man too long, and and uh, God, uh, you know, obviously corrected him for it. But again, could you imagine having to go knock on Uzziah's door, tell his wife, Hey, so had a little bit of a problem and your husband's not coming home like forever. That'd be a hard thing. Wife asks, what happened? Well, he, he, he touched the ark. Well, he knows better than touch the ark. Why did he touch the ark? Well, he was trying to prevent it from falling. Oh, well, one of the Levites tripped and fall? No, it was on a cart. Who put it on a cart? You can see how bad that conversation goes south really fast. But again, that's what happens when we do things with worldly wisdom. With worldly wisdom. Take a look at Proverbs chapter 24. This is why the wisdom of God is of the utmost importance. If we understand that the origin is from God, and we're not talking about the wisdom of the world, we're talking about wisdom from God, that is to be desired. That is far more valuable. The wisdom of the world about, like, you know, Dave Ramsey and how to do your finances, okay, that's all well and good, but you know what? Dave Ramsey isn't God, and he isn't using the Bible. So that's wisdom of the world. That's wisdom of the world. Take a look at what he says here in Proverbs chapter 24. And a verse says, and wisdom is too high for a fool. He openeth not his mouth in the gate. And I point this out because, you know, what, what the fool looks at is the fool looks at it and goes, that's unattainable. That, how am I supposed to get that? I, I, I hate to bring this up, but I have to, to use it as an example. But if you've got a problem with height and you're trying to get something that's on the top shelf, it's too high for you, right? You can't get it. And you either have to employ help or employ means of getting it. So when you think about it for a second... That fool is sitting there looking at it going, I, I, I can't get it. I can't get it. I can't get it. And you're sitting there going, well, if you're going to get it with all you're getting, go get a ladder. Go call your husband who's taller than you, which is why you say there's a reason he married him. <laughs> One way or another, for those of you who are tall and you don't have those problems, you'll never know the struggle. And how real it is. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you understand. But to the fool who looks at it and goes, I can't get it. It's too high for him. Why is that? Because the fool had said in his heart, there is no God. So why would I want to try to obtain something that I don't believe in? That's what the fool says. We go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and in verse 12. Take a look at verse 11. It says, Wisdom is good with an inheritance, 
and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. Wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense, but the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So here's what he says. He says, look, you got two things in your life that you can use. It's good to have a lot of money, because then you can buy an army. But if you don't know how to lead that army, and you don't have any wisdom how to do it, all that money in the world isn't going to help you. You're going to have somewhat of a defense, but he says the one that's going to give you life is going to be wisdom. So you look at all the things that people go for. People are always striving for money, right? Money, 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 money. And they're like, well, money makes the world turn. No, God makes the world turn. Um, and it's pretty, pretty evident unless you believe in the flat earth and then we've got a whole, whole slew of other issues. But, um, that being said, we, we, we take a look at what, what happens in this life. It becomes the love of money is the root of all evil. Harm is, is, is desired because people want something and they want financial gain for it. They want to be top dog. It's interesting that Charles Darwin saw a little bit of that when he said survival of the fittest. He saw what man becomes without God. What man becomes without God is like brute beasts. Zero understanding. And what do they do? They fight and they claw to get to the top and they want what they want, whether it's power, whether it's wealth, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Humanist, turn, humanist turns around and says, well, they're all inherently good. So how we go about doing it, you know, it just might be a little flawed. But I'm like, yeah, no kidding. It's severely flawed. It's severely flawed. Take a look at chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and in verse uh, verse 18 here, it says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. And yeah, I, I love that verse for, for all the wrong reasons, probably. <laughs> um, you know, I, I look at the, the, the last part, but one sinner destroyeth much good. And you're like, well, what damage can one sinner do, <clears throat> Adam? <laughs> the devil himself, uh, I mean, come on. You know, we take a look at just one individual. You got, you got a group of individuals that are all trying to do that, which is right. And then you get one person in there that just decides they're going to do everything wrong. And how does it do? It destroys much good causes stumbling blocks, it causes problems, it causes all sorts of things. I mean, everybody's having a good time, everybody's enjoying themselves, and then somebody comes in and says something stupid, and the end result is everything gets destroyed. Everybody walks away from that event with like the, the whole, you know, the whole ride home. Why did he have to say that? Why, he's a jerk, man. Why, why, what kind of person says something like that? Just a simple word. But we, we, you see there when he's talking about this wisdom part, he says wisdom is better than the weapons of, than weapons of war. If there is one thing that mankind has done is mankind has always created, uh, the absolutely most horrific means of killing each other. Oh, good grief. I mean, and, and this stuff is just, I mean, it just goes on and it just goes on and it just goes on. You know, you, you, you take a look at the research and development, uh, uh, you know, departments of, of, uh, nation's military and what they look for to try to, 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 to kill the most people with the fewest casualties on their side. That's why everybody's like, well, we just need to fight wars with robots so humans don't die. Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That's just the stupidest thing. Because robots can't take and hold something. A human being does that. But, you know, here he is, he's talking about the weapons of war. 
You know, somebody that has the biggest bomb is probably going to be the guy that's feared the most. The guy that's got the weapon that is just unusually cruel and threatens to unleash it on people, that individual is probably going to be one that nobody messes with. Why do you think, you know, countries like, say, North Korea and Iran want nuclear weapons? So that people will leave them alone and they can threaten people. Specifically, Iran wants to use it against Israel, but that's a totally different story. And North Korea just wants it so that they can not feel like they're getting picked on all the time, that they can be respected. Well, how about you abandon communism and, you know, actually be human <laughs> and, you know, do a godly thing and, and let, uh, let, let, you know, the gospel come into your country and it'll change your country distinctly. But he won't do that because he thinks he's a god. But the weapons of war, they're no match for wisdom. They're no match for wisdom. It is far better. Why is that? Because take a look at the, the, the passage above. Uh, in, in verse 13, it says, This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city and few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor, wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then I said, that, or excuse me, then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise men are heard in the quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. That is a sad story. I really want to know all the details of that story. Solomon saw it. Solomon saw it. Some poor wise man that figured out how to defeat an army that was mightier than, than the people in the city... And everybody's like, not willing to listen to him. Everybody was willing to just forget him. That's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. But that's how people perceive wisdom. That's how they perceive wisdom. And, and, and I like this verse because there is a lot, there's a lot of doctrine behind it. There's a lot of doctrine behind it. And when you start picking it apart and looking at how all of it just lines up with what's uh, other scriptures and, and, um, what goes on and, and, and how people reject the wisdom of Christ and don't even want to remember what Christ did. I mean, I mean, just there's so much. And he defeated something that man could never defeat. Principalities, powers. He spoiled them. Take a look at another passage over in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. In Romans 11, we're going to take a look at verse uh, 33. Romans 11:33. Here Paul writes, he says, Oh, the depths, or excuse me, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments in his ways past finding out. You know, they talk about going down to the depths of the sea. And they can't do it because most of the time when they try to get stuff down there, there's only so much that they, there's only so far down they can go before the equipment is crushed under the pressure of the water. It's flattened. So they, they make these submersibles, then they go down. They're obviously not manned because if you go down that far, you're just going to explode. And they're just, you know, they send these little robots down there to go find whatever they're going to find. They're albino, white, hairy lobsters and things like that. And, and they, they, they send them all the way down to the bottom. And then they realize that there's more depth to it. It just seems to go on. And they, they still don't even know exactly how deep. Well, they can judge it. They can guess and they can, you know, send some sonar waves and echoes and, you know, getting some things back and, and so on and so forth. And, but they, they still are saying that it's not 100% accurate. 
because it's science and science is not exact. And then I'm like, wait a second, hold on. Can I get that quote on that? Because that's like really important in other areas when we start talking about science. But anyways, moving on from that subject matter. Um, it's what happens when you don't have God in science, but you know, but, but, but here he is, he says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. You ever think about what heaven's going to be like? You ever think about walking up to God and just starting to ask a question and he just takes time to expound unto you one of the most, you know, perplexing things that you've ever wondered about? And you just see the beauty of the wisdom in it? But I want you to notice how Paul phrased it. He said, riches. Riches. A person that applies and uses the wisdom of God is rich above measure. More than Bezos, more than Gates, more than Musk, more than whoever else is out there, I really don't care. Those are only some people that I know. Because you know what? In the end, they're not rich. In the end, they're not rich. We may call them rich, but they're not. God's riches are more important. And his riches are wisdom. So how do we use wisdom? Let's take a look at this. Go over to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90. How was wisdom used? From a practical standpoint. Psalm chapter 90. In Psalm chapter 90 and in verse 12. This is Moses, by the way. David, David didn't write all the Psalms, okay? If you think David wrote all the Psalms, I hate to disappoint you, but he didn't. Asaph wrote some. Here in this case, Moses wrote this one. And what we see here is he starts talking about life. And he starts talking about, uh, how, you know, kind of brief it is in verse six. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. And he says, for we are consumed by thine anger and thy wrath, we are troubled. And he starts talking about sin and what happens and things that go on. In verse 10, he gives the the proclamation. Now remember, Moses lived to be 120 years old. The Bible says that when he was 120 years old and he died, that that his eyes and the strength did not diminish. Now, I have to take my glasses off to read this. And then I look at all of you and you're all a little bit blurry. <laughs> so, we, 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 you know, that my eyes are diminished. You, you have the, the short arm syndrome where you're doing this all the time. You know, trying to stretch and see. Or, 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 or you, 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 you do one of these where you're like bringing it in this close so that you can try to see it. We all suffer from that. Our eyes get old, right? They get tired. His, his don't. Or his didn't. His strength. He could still beat Joshua in arm wrestling, probably. <laughs> right up until the point of where God said, no man's going to beat him. <laughs> that was after Moses passed, right? But, you know, he, he, he probably could just take, I, I could just see him now. You know, here comes some young pup going, come on, Moses, come on, come on, take, you know, I, you know and he's just like, Pfft. Grabs a hold of the guy, he's got him in an arm bar, and he's like choking him out. He's like, are you done? Okay. You know, he, he was, he was still strong. 120 years old. But look at what he says in verse 10. The days of our years are three score and ten. Seventy years. That's the lifespan of man. 
70 years. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet it is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For soon, if it is soon cut off, and we fly away. It's an interesting way to phrase it. Interesting way. He says, yeah, you can extend your life. And people are always trying to extend their lives. And sometimes you get to you hear people, you know, living to be a hundred and hundred and something years old and stuff like that. But man, they're not living to be 120 anymore. Well, I'm sure there's somebody over in Nepal that only ate grass fed, you know, whatever, whatever. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's the case. But, you know, whatever it is, God said right here in the Bible, 70 years. Why do you think they call it a midlife crisis when you hit 35? You realize how horribly without excuse these people are, right? When he sits there and goes, now, wait a second, if you're trying to live to be a hundred and you say that the, you know, you're looking at that, uh, striving to be that, that would be 50 years old. So, so why, why did you buy the Corvette when you were 35? But as you go down here a little bit further in this passage, I want you to see what he says here in uh, verse 12. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You want a practical way to use wisdom? Every single day you wake up, you take your heart And you say, I am going to hide in it as much of God's word as possible. I am going to take my heart and apply it to God's principles. To his standards. To his truths. To his will. And what do we do? We go through and we count our days. We number our days. You know, we always talk about birthdays, right? You ever wonder where some of that stuff comes from? And somebody's going to say, oh, it always goes back to the pagans and they, oh, whatever. Just stop. You know, God says here, number your days. You get another year. You know what that is? That's a time to give God's, you know, praise. You know, I know what the world makes it all about us on that day, right? Look, that day is supposed to be about God. Because he's the one that gave you the life. He's the one that gave you the strength to get last that long. Because we would, trust me, if it was on our own power, we would have petered out a long time ago. Long time ago. But he says, so teach us. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So we, we, we seek it. We want to get it. And then what will we do? We actually need to take our hearts and put it towards it. This is why we don't take and, and apply it to our hearts. We take our heart in sacrifice and give it. We're the living sacrifice, right? We apply it. We apply it to that wisdom. It's what God wants of us. You go to Proverbs chapter 8, and and, and you see all of the things that are listed there. And and for lack of time, you know, we can't go through all of that. There, everything that's that's listed in Proverbs chapter 8 about, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the application of it. Uh, just, just as a, as an example, in verse seven, my mouth speak, uh, shall speak truth and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. The words of my mouth are in righteousness and there's nothing forward or perverse in them. Isn't it interesting how that aligns with James chapter three? You can learn to control the tongue. You can, can, you can bridle the whole body. 
Well, what does that require? That requires you applying your heart to wisdom. You go down further. I mean, he, all these things that he talks about uh, uh, in this, in verse 13, he says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. So if wisdom is is there and we are applying our hearts unto wisdom, you know what's going to happen? Pride and arrogancy is going to be something that absolutely disgusts us sickens us so much so that when we lift ourselves up with pride that immediately we you know <laughs> that mentality he he says there that this is the stuff that he that, 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 that he hate or that she hates this is the stuff that we hate because what is it the fear of the lord is to hate evil the fear of the lord is to hate anything that's going to hurt us anything that's going to harm us and it's going to cause damage. And what is she, what is she going to saying? She says, pride and arrogancy in the evil way. Pride and arrogancy in the evil way. The evil way, by the way, is not the righteous way. The evil way is not the way that, that, that uses the things of God. The evil way is the one that, that destroys and harms. And, and those things right here, right there, including the froward mouth. That again, here we are with that, again, evil speech. Speaking things that we ought not to. Saying things that we shouldn't be saying. All of those things we need to hate. I need to hate those worse or or more than I hate green beans. I mean, I've mentioned it before. There's several things that I that I have some serious issues with. Uh, green beans, one of them, because again, I'm not a real huge fan of the taste. Uh, but the main reason is is because they squeak when you chew them. There's just something wrong with that. Food that squeaks in your mouth that you can hear in your ears is not something that's pleasant. Okay, you may be able to do it. I can't. Sorry. Gum. I, I can't begin to tell you how much I don't like gum. It gets wherever, you know, eventually at some point in time you step in gum. Uh, gum gets on something that you, you really, you know, you treasure. And if you've ever had gum on a car seat or gum on your pants or gum on the bottom of a shoe, you understand why I don't like gum. Have you ever had gum in, yeah, in a carpet and sat there trying to get it out of a carpet? Yeah, it's not a good thing. It's a difficult thing. And glitter. No, don't even get me started on glitter. Glitter gets everywhere. You know, you have a little bit of glitter on something, on a, on a wrap, on a card or something like that, and you're finding glitter for the next five months on everything. It's, it's evil. Whoever created that just really should be taken out back and, and like, you know, slapped with a wet noodle or something. I don't know. But it's just, it's just ridiculous. I, why? I, I, those three things I just really have an issue with. I, you know, and I will say, I hate it. If you like it, hey, again, that's your prerogative. I'm not going to try to change your mind. I'm just not. Feel free. Enjoy it all you want. Have my share, please. I, I, I'm not going to say anything about it. But but I will say this. While I hate those things, you know what I have to hate? I have to hate pride. I have to hate arrogancy. You're like, well, well I hate arrogancy in another person. But can you recognize it in yourself? When you look at it in the mirror, when the word comes out of your mouth and go, well, that was a little arrogant, you need to hate it. The evil way. Anything that's other than the way of God is evil. You got to hate it. The froward mouth. 
whatever is not spoken that is righteous, godly, and holy, let's just call it forward. You got to hate it. You have to hate it more than glitter, green beans, and gum. You have to. And you can insert whatever it is that you hate in there. But these are the practical things that we begin to, 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 to find here. You know, he, in verse 20, she says, I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that it may cause those who love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. Now, again, this is not talking about physical things. People will try to say, oh, well, if you apply the wisdom of God to, you know, your worldly life, then you're going to be rich and God's going to give you blessings. That's not what he's saying. Why? Because where are your treasures laid up? They're not here. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through or steal, where are they? They're in heaven. If your treasures are here, they're not that valuable. She's talking about valuable treasures. She already established how valuable wisdom is. You think she's going to go back and say she's going to give a bunch of rubies and diamonds and gold and silver? No, 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 no. The treasure is the knowledge of God. Think about that for a moment. When we start talking about understanding, you're going to see a very distinct pattern with understanding. Because you find that understanding is is diminished with sin. And when God is seeking somebody with understanding and can't find them, It doesn't mean that they don't have knowledge of God. They don't have an understanding of who God is. They know about him, but they don't understand. They don't understand. But you go through all of this, and, and, and again, throughout this entire chapter, she's just constantly saying, this is what's going to happen. In verse 34, just to kind of close that, that, that little point out, Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord." You want to see the practicality of it? You want to see the application? It's favor with God. Favor with man is fickle, isn't it? One minute you're just, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're everything. Next minute, uh, you know, they don't like you. You know, one minute, you know, and I, Hate to use a, a, a you know a point that's, that's very, if you will, pertinent today. One minute, you know, Biden's the best president that they've ever had. You know, talking about how great he's our, you know, he's the greatest president, and just look at how great he is. Look how great he is. Now watch how people are distancing themselves from him so quickly. All of a sudden, nobody wants anything to do with him. All of a sudden, people are just starting to back away from him. All of a sudden, the news media is attacking Biden. And it's not just Fox and AON and The Hill and, and Town Hall and the rest of those conservative groups and media. We got MSNBC and ABC and CBS and CNN going after him now. And poor press secretary sitting there going, wait a second, I thought you were my friend. <laughs> She's getting attacked through the whole thing. And it's just like, man, you want to talk about a job that you don't want? Could you imagine that? There you are, and all of a sudden you get a phone call. It's the President of the United States. Hey, I want you to be my personal press secretary. No. Hang up the phone. (laughs) If anything has taught us over the last, I don't know how many years, don't do it. I mean, it's just brutal. It's just brutal. You're always backpedaling, you're always trying to cover, you're always trying to do whatever. But the end result is, is now all of a sudden everybody's not big fan of Biden. They're fickle. Did you know the favor of God? That's not fickle. That's not fickle. He's not man. 
He will never leave you nor forsake you is his promise. Nothing shall separate you from his love. Nothing. No one can pluck you out of his hand. So, so we understand these things that, 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 that go on, but, but I want to get to the, you know, one of the most important application points here, and that's found in verse 36. But he that sinneth against me, now this is interesting, sinneth against wisdom. Sin against wisdom. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Now, let's just put this into real practical knowledge. We're not talking about the wisdom of the world. We're not talking about how to invest in cryptocurrency or use E-Trade or any of those things. We're not talking about wisdom with finances, wisdom in your career path, wisdom in, you know, whatever worldly thing we're talking about. We're not talking about that wisdom. We're talking about the spiritual wisdom that comes from God. That's what this wisdom is. She makes that very apparent in the middle of the chapter where she says she's been with him from the beginning. So this is the wisdom from God that we've been talking about. And anybody that hates it is a person that loves death. You want to know why we have a crime problem? You want to know why we have a problem with people killing people? Is because they hate the wisdom of God. They hate the wisdom of God. Want to know why we have an abortion problem? They hate the wisdom of God. Want to know why they want to, to euthanize people that are no longer deemed fit for life? That they've reached the end of their age capacity? Yeah, I'm talking about killing off the elderly. They love death. Why is a Swedish scientist that's a climatologist saying the only way that we're going to fix the climate problem is to, well, be cannibals? That's how we fix it. Come get your can of Ken. (laughs) Guaranteed to be gum and green bean free. (laughs) Yeah, just ignore that. But you understand what I'm saying is it's like they love death. And everybody says, well, we'll take a look at how, how great Iceland is and how their population is. Yeah, you, you know that they don't have anybody over there that is uh, mentally handicapped or Down syndrome. Want to know why? Because they killed them. Yeah, they love death. They love it. And that's what happens when people discount who God is. And and, and when you realize that the wisdom that was given to Christ, you know what? I mean, just, just think about this for a minute. The wisdom that is given to Christ, the spirit of wisdom that came, you realize that that wisdom gave life while he gave himself to pay for our sins that means each and every one of us has eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord that's how much he loved life only one death is needed Nobody has to die the second death. Nobody does. But they choose to. Because they choose to sin against the wisdom of God. They choose to sin the wisdom of God. Turn to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to take a look at two passages. Matthew chapter 13. And in verse 54, after Jesus has been talking for some time and, and he's... um you know, giving them some instruction. In verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 53 of Matthew chapter 13, and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. 
And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in the sin, in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man wisdom in these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? And is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? They're saying, why does he have all this wisdom? He's uneducated. He's just a woodworker. He's just a carpenter. He's... He's just a carpenter's son. How is it that he knows these things? Well, you turn to Luke chapter 2, and I'll show you why. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and in verse verse 40, this is uh, right before uh, Joseph and Mary kind of like, you know, forgot him, left him. In verse 40, it says, And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. From a young age. You know what that means? That means that a child can be wise. I want you to think about this for a second. A child can be wise. Perfect example. Example is Daniel. What happens? He makes choice. He says, I'm going to purpose in my heart. I'm not going to pollute myself with the king's meat. This is the wrong thing to do. This is not what my parents taught me. This is not what scripture says. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not going to do it. Wisdom. A child. Josiah, eight years old, he starts cleaning house. He's a young king. One of the best kings. Think about think about most eight year olds. Would you necessarily consider them wise? No. But if you've been led in the way of the Lord, and remember, Josiah did not come from the best of families. His father was not a good man. But somehow along the way, he found the knowledge of the Lord, and he feared God, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Not in the sight of men, not in the sight of his constituents or his subjects but in the sight of God. So what we see here is we find that Jesus Christ, the same thing. So much so that that, that, that here they are, they're all astounded when they do find him back in the temple. And what he's doing, he's having biblical discussions. Biblical discussions, apologetics, doctrine, all these things. And he's, 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 and everybody's like, well, he already understood that from, very, you know, he's God. And no, he had to learn that. Remember, he he humbled himself to be in the form of a man. It says he had to learn wisdom, or excuse me, learn obedience. So what happened? He grew in wisdom. He made a decision to choose that. We as Christians, we have to do the same thing. You know, without wisdom, uh, Christ would not be God. If he didn't have wisdom, he wouldn't be God. And uh, he wouldn't be able to accomplish the works. Because again, that that wisdom is, you know, that right use of uh, uh, and exercise of knowledge. He wouldn't be able to accomplish the works that he did here in his ministry. All specifically... To give us an example as believers of what we should follow. Wisdom. It's one of those things that you want to get as much as you can get. If it's offered, it should be be something that is sucked up. Sucked up immediately. 
Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you again, Lord, that we were able to finish up wisdom tonight. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, uh, we look forward to next uh, week and look at understanding that, Lord, you just continue to use these things that we've learned today to build upon that principle and build upon that knowledge that, uh, Lord, we please you. Lord, I'm so thankful for what uh, you've done with the work of Christ. I'm so thankful for all the blessings that we have through him. And I pray, Lord, that as we uh, just uh, go away from uh, the, the, the service from this evening, that, Lord, you just use these things to be the meditation of our heart. We'd think on them. We'd contemplate them, Lord. We desire that wisdom more than anything else that is out there in this world. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've given to us. And these things I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.